Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. they say at the big sports drafts jack smith you are on the clock as soon as midnight passed on the east coast the special counsel's window of warning to the recipient of the target letter strawberry letter 22 closed donald trump has had his chance to testify to the grand jury or demand that evidence be submitted to the grand jury or that other witnesses be questioned by the grand jury and all evidence suggests he did not even bother to say no thanks So Jack Smith can and will indict him at any time on God knows how many violations of U.S. Code 18, Section 241, Conspiracy Against Rights. That is the suppression of vote counting statute with or without violence. And U.S. Code 18, Section 371, Conspiracy to Defraud the United States. And U.S. Code 18, Section 1512, Corruptly Obstructing an Official Proceeding. And the only question is when Smith notifies him and thus when Trump pauses from chain eating cheeseburgers and threatening revolutions long enough to leak the news. The cheeseburgers is a gratuitous shot, though not an inaccurate one. The threatening revolutions is neither a gratuitous shot nor an inaccurate one. From the Simon Conway show on WHO Radio in Des Moines, just going viral last night. Say Jack Smith says, okay, I'm going to put Donald Trump in jail. I think it's a very dangerous thing to Mm -hmm. even talk about uh, because we do have a tremendously passionate group of voters. And I mean, 
maybe, you know, maybe 100, 150. I've never seen anything like it. Mm -hmm. Much more passion than they had in 2020 and much more passion than they had in 2016. I think uh, it would be very dangerous. We all know Trumpese well enough by now to know by now what that means. And that is Trump threatening stochastically, there's that word again, something worse than January 6th. January 6th, which of course he had nothing to do with, except now, when it serves his purpose to threaten this country with violent revolution and remind us about January 6th. And I would point out that this is why the National Guard has access to tanks. And I would remind Trump and those with him that unlike last time, Trump is not in charge of the National Guard. And if last time went so badly that he is about to be indicted on dozens of federal charges worth up to 10 years in prison per count, how badly do y'all suppose it's going to go this time? There actually were two major developments yesterday and a surprising political poll maybe even two of them, that could reset the conventional wisdom on a third-party spoiler being a third-party spoiler next year. Let's do the news developments first. One of Trump's judicial appointees got too cute by half. And because he did, the rest of us found out that Jack Smith's grand jury was indeed still meeting yesterday in Washington, and it was still hearing testimony from Trump's box carrier and water carrier, Will Russell, and for the third time from Will Russell, because Trump's shell companies, well, shell campaign committees, are paying for a lot of the legal representation for former Trump staffers sucked into the January 6th vortex of Trump ego plus Trump coup. A lot of these idiots, everybody from some Oath Keepers to Cash Patel, have the same lawyer. His name is Stanley Woodward. And yesterday, Stanley Woodward had to be in two places at once. Stanley Woodward represents Will Russell, and he was doing so in front of the Jack Smith grand jury at 2 p.m. yesterday in Washington when he was also due in the courtroom of Trump appointee Trevor McFadden for the verdict reading for another Trump appointee who happened to be a January 6th violence defendant. Federico Klein which sounds like the name of a Sherlock Holmes character, Federico Klein was getting sent to the big house and his lawyer wasn't there. And this Judge McFadden demanded to know where he was and sent his people to find the lawyer. And the lawyer appeared and he asked for a sidebar to explain in private. And Judge McFadden decided to bigfoot it and said, no, tell the entire class. And I hope you brought enough gum for all of them. And Woodward said, I'll have to violate grand jury secrecy. And McFadden told him, go ahead. And so he did. The grand jury hearing, the Jack Smith, Donald Trump coup, revolution, insurrection grand jury hearing was running long because every time they asked this Will Russell guy something, he and or the attorney brought up executive privilege, Trump's executive privilege, which expired with his presidency. We don't know the specifics beyond that, but we also were not supposed to even know the executive privilege part. So thanks, Judge Bigfoot. And thank you, Stanley Woodward, who might as well run TV spots advertising himself with the tagline, Did you do a coup? Call Woodward and not Bernstein. January 6th, attorneys, 1-800-I'm-not-going-to-jail-for-Trump. You have seen photos of this Will Russell, whether you knew it or not. There were shots the day Trump was finally vomited out of the White House, and there was a picture of two guys, a tall one and a small one, who was wearing a mask, and they were carrying 
Trump bankers boxes to Marine One. This is January 20th, 2021, high noon. And the tall one is Will Russell. And I think the short one is Walt Nauta. But the masks make it difficult to be sure. Thanks, Fauci. By September of last year, this Russell had been subpoenaed to testify into the events leading up to the events at the Capitol on January 6th. So that's how long he's been testifying about this and why they would still be talking executive privilege. Alyssa Farah was on CNN and she suggested she knew Russell and that Russell was almost Trump's body man. And he was certainly next to him at the ellipse on the 6th and could easily corroborate the Cassidy Hutchinson, two key pieces of testimony that Trump wanted to go to the Capitol himself, you know, to supervise the coup and that Trump told people to take down the magnetometers because none of the guns that might be there that day were meant to harm him. Anyway, the bigger picture is, confirmed by this idiot judge, Jack Smith is still taking testimony on the topics he is presumably about to indict Trump on here in round two. You're on the clock, Jack. The consensus is no set of indictments precludes any future further indictments for the same crime. Any future further indictments? That can't be right. Isn't it any further future indictments? The idea, I married your mother because I wanted children. Imagine my disappointment when you arrived. CNN and The New York Times both reported that Smith has worked out a voluntary interview with Bernie Carrick, the uniquely styled ex-police commissioner of New York and ex-con. He's Rudy Giuliani's henchman and all-around fascist. What he could testify to is not clear, but it was either inspired by Giuliani's proffer or it's Carrick trying to point the finger of guilt away from himself and back at Rudy. And it could be about, I don't know, I don't know how many different bad things Carrick and Giuliani have done between them, but it's one of them. The idea. So the grand jury and Will Russell and the tick, tick, tick of the indictment clock and the late wagering on the over-under for the number of indictments is the one major development. And the other major development takes us out of the courts and into the House. And it is breathtakingly dumb. And we need to do everything we can to encourage its execution. I am actually going to suggest that you pray for this. What could possibly make all of this instantly worse for Trump? What could Trump force his own Republican lackeys into to make sure those Republicans who had rid themselves of the Trump taint but have since wandered back to him out of simple authoritarian contrariness, what could make them again move away from the taint? How about... At the same time he is being prosecuted for trying to pull off a rigged election, how about he relitigates the impeachments? Both impeachments. You will recall a month ago tomorrow when Marjorie Pornography Green and Elise Stefanik introduced bills to, quote, expunge the impeachments from congressional history. Well, it wasn't their idea. It turns out it was Kevin McCarthy's. And he has apparently promised Trump it will happen before the recess next month. No, seriously. No, he's not being bribed to do this by Democrats. You will also recall, and this is why it's happening, that on the 27th of last month, 
McCarthy went on CNBC and said, can Trump win that election? Yeah, he can. The question is, is he the strongest to win the election? I don't know the answer. And within hours, Kevin McCarthy was back on TV insisting, oh, yes, I do know the answer. And it's Trump is stronger than Hercules. And it was clear Trump had yelled at McCarthy, possibly on the phone and possibly simply by opening a window somewhere and yelling at him across the country. Politico reports Trump demanded of McCarthy, he needs to endorse me today. And McCarthy, who is, of course, with Trump, win, win or tie, had to come up with a bullshit excuse to not endorse Trump quickly. So quickly you wouldn't believe it. To his credit, McCarthy cobbled together some great sophistry that he had to remain neutral through the primaries because if he didn't, his relationship with his complicated caucus could influence which ones of them did or did not endorse Trump. Trump bought it. But he, of course, was still enraged and demanded a pound of McCarthy. And now McCarthy makes his fatal mistake. The House would vote to expunge the two impeachments against the former president, Politico wrote. And as McCarthy would communicate through aides later the same day, they would do so before August recess. Now Politico says, quote, we're told that Trump brings up the matter in every call he has with McCarthy, prodding the speaker about when he will bring expungement to the floor. And guess what? All but about 30 House Republicans would rather French kiss Alejandro Mayorkas than spend any of their valuable Hunter Biden slime time on basically rerunning the impeachment over Trump trying to extort President Zelensky of Ukraine and basically rerunning the impeachment over Trump and his little stochastic terrorism of January 6th at the same time, whether it lasts for an hour or a week or however long House Democrats could drag it out. I mean, it's not like the Democrats impeachment lawyer Dan Goldman is in the House or anything. All right. He's now the congressman from the New York 10th. Oops. I say it so often, you can probably repeat it with me, but every year I grow more convinced that the democracy survives less because of the exertions of those of us who are trying to preserve it, and more because of the gold-plated, undulating, oscillating stupidity of those who are trying to destroy it. And exactly what could be more stupid then not only reminding the nation of how Trump sold out Ukraine and tried to bully the man currently atop the world democracy rankings. But then as soon as you were finished with that, you then reminded the nation that all the Republicans said about Trump in the immediate wake of the coup attempt that they'd never have anything to do with him again. And then you take a vote on it and force Republicans like David Valadeo and Dan Newhouse to vote against expungement. And then you force the Republicans in Biden districts to vote against expungement. And exactly what do you do, Kevin McCarthy, if your five-seat majority cannot pass expungement? You're going to come back next week and try another vote to expunge the fact that you took an expungement vote? McCarthy denies the whole thing, except not really. He told NBC, I support expungement, but there's no deal out there. And his deputy... I think he's still a deputy. I think he's still loyal to McCarthy. Honestly, looking at the Republican Party in the House, it's like trying to read the personnel files at the Kremlin in 1935 or in Tehran in 1980. His deputy, 
Steve Scalise said, no, of course they won't do this because they're busy. We're doing the appropriations bills next week. And then, of course, when we return in September, we have a lot of other appropriations bills teed up. So we're going to be very busy. And boy, is that a convincing denial. If you have an expungement, Politico quotes an unnamed senior GOP member who will not even put his name to that common sense leak, and it goes to the floor and fails, which it probably will, then the media will treat it like it's a third impeachment. You think? And it will show disunity among Republican ranks. It's a huge strategic risk. <laughs> Beyond the skittish moderates who prefer not to take the vote, Politico writes, there's the clutch of constitutionally minded conservatives who we are told have privately voiced skepticism that the House has the constitutional authority to erase a president's impeachments, unquote. You think? Oh, great, McCarthy. Now you have your caucus members who are not just performative fascists and actually believe there are, you know, laws and who recognize that expungement ain't a thing. And if it is a thing, maybe they should just expunge you. Not good, Kev. Ah, but Kevin McCarthy did not get to be Speaker of the House of Representatives without having a secret plan to escape the expungement predicament. And what is that plan? Just tell Trump that it will be better if the expungement vote takes place when all Washington is back from the summer doldrums in September. And the next plan after that one runs out? Uh, late September. And after that? Oh, oh, by the end of September. And after that? Oh, please try to expunge. Oh, please try to expunge. Oh, please try to expunge. Oh, please, 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 please. I mentioned some surprising political poll numbers, and one is just a happy note that you should file away and remember at some point over the weekend. Dave Wasserman, chief figure Filbert at the Cook Political Report, Mr. I've Seen Enough, changed Five of his ratings yesterday on congressional races for next year, three downgrades for Democrats, one downgrade for a Republican I've never heard of. And then this from the Colorado third, Lauren Boebert moved from lean GOP to toss up. So you go, Adam Frisch, who only lost to her by 546 votes last year. She should be able to get some peace and quiet. Enjoy her old age grandmotherhood in retirement at the age of 36, 37 in December. But the bigger polling news is from the Monmouth poll, and it really does reset one of the prospective nightmares of the 2024 presidential race. Monmouth polled one group two ways. Who are you definitely or probably going to vote for next year, Biden or Trump? Biden 47, Trump 40. Okay. Then they said to the same voters, who are you definitely or probably going to vote for among Biden, Trump, or a third-party ticket? This is not the answer I was expecting to see. Biden, 37. Trump, 28. Third-party ticket, 30. You heard it. Third-party ticket costs Biden 10 points, costs Trump 12 points, finishes ahead of of Trump for second place. 
And the caveat is, it's always the case here, the generic unnamed candidate does better than any real-life one. So they went back to these people a third time. Biden, Trump, or the so-called fusion no-labels crap ticket of Joe Manchin and John Huntsman. And still, it's Biden 40, Trump 34, Manchin, Huntsman 16. So even a nominally non-fascist, non-conservative third-party candidate and a bad one costs Biden seven points, costs Trump six points, and still gives Biden a six-point margin. And that ain't good news, but it ain't Jill Stein, Ralph Nader territory either. Monmouth did not poll RFK Jr., and that is too bad because he carries name recognition, especially among voters who have not recently heard how crazy he is. Any future further candidates? That can't be right. Also of interest here, that RFK hearing yesterday, it's a really bad idea, Bob, before you completely don't tell the truth about stuff you have been recorded on video doing and saying, it's a really bad idea to remind everybody that you are on the record and under oath as you do not tell the truth about it. Not good, Bob. That's next. This is Countdown. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Let's go! Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating, up to eight passengers, yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. Postscripts to the news, some headlines, some updates, some snark, some predictions. Dateline, the House Select Subcommittee on Fruitcake, Washington, D.C. No indication that anybody is actually going to prosecute Robert F. Kennedy Jr. for blatantly not telling the truth to the Jim Jordan committee. But he blatantly did not tell the truth to the Jim Jordan committee. Said first... He never told anybody to avoid vaccination. I have never been anti-vax. I have never told any. I have never told the public avoid vaccination. The only thing I've asked for, and my views are constantly misrepresented. Never told anybody to avoid vaccination except on that podcast two years ago when he boasted about stopping passersby to tell them to avoid vaccination. You're walking down the street and I do this now myself, which is, you know, I don't want to do, I'm not a busy body. I see somebody on a hiking trail with a carrying a little baby and I say, I'm better not get him vaccinated. And he hear that from me. If he hears it from 10 other people, maybe he won't do it. You know, maybe he, maybe he will save that child. And before we were all quiet because we didn't we wanted to get along with our families. Oops. Then he did it again about anti-Semitism. By the way, I want to say this while I'm on the record that in my entire life and why I'm under oath in my entire life, I have never uttered a phrase that was either racist or anti-Semitic. In January 2022, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. told an anti-vax rally, quote, even in Hitler's Germany, you could cross the Alps to Switzerland. You could hide in an attic like Anne Frank did. He also posted a photo of Dr. Anthony Fauci with a Hitler mustache. Of course, technically, none of those are actually anti-Semitic terms. It's just anti-Semitism. His own wife, the actress Cheryl Hines, not only publicly disavowed Kennedy, but Kennedy actually apologized for all of that, not anti-Semitism. I'm going to assume here that this is psychological illness or brain damage, and he has no memory of the things that he has said. This does happen. And as a former friendly professional acquaintance of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., it is too painful for me to think otherwise. But his public career needs to end. He is doing nothing but harm to anybody except to the new Nazis of the 21st century America. Dateline the Supreme Court. The Washington Post reporting that as an Anita Hill film was about to premiere in 2016, the 25th anniversary of Clarence Thomas's confirmation to the court, a, quote, flurry of opinion articles defending Thomas and railing against the film appeared in news outlets. Websites celebrating Thomas's career popped up and on Twitter, a new account using the name Justice Thomas Fan Account began serving up flattering commentary. 
The Post reports all of that was part of a bought and paid for publicity campaign financed with at least $1,800,000 from conservative nonprofit groups steered to that purpose by judicial activist Leonard Leo of the Federalist Society. You know, the Federalist Society, the people who own Clarence Thomas. What do you get for the Supreme Court justice who already has everything because Harlan Crow buys him gifts like the two dollar whore that he is? Well, you buy him good publicity. Still ahead on Countdown Fridays with Thurber and a double header. The magic of James Thurber is he didn't write in just one style or on one subject. In fact, he didn't just write. He was, of course, one of the great humorous illustrators of all time. But if there is one through line in all his work, written or drawn, it is man versus life. And two of the greatest examples of that are his fable of the mouse who went to the country and his story of the visit to somebody else's bathroom medicine cabinet gone wrong, Nine Needles. Both of them coming up. First time for the Daily Roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze, Jim Jordan. Mentioned the Republicans trotting out what was left of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and it blew up in their face as you knew it would, and everybody but Bob knows that it blew up in their face, but... Jordan crossed a separate line entirely. Jordan was reciting what he said was a history of attempts by the Biden administration to censor Kennedy. And in doing so, he repeated one of the sleaziest of all the right wing conspiracy theories. Jim Jordan invoked the death of baseball's all time home run hitter and the fascist claim that he was killed by the COVID-19 vaccine. Quoting Jordan, Hank Aaron passed away after he got the vaccine. Just pointing out facts. Here is something that has or will kill 100% of its victims. Traveling to Jim Jordan's district in Ohio, north of Columbus, how many tens of millions of people have died after going to Jim Jordan's hometown area of Lima, Ohio? How many tens of millions more will perish? Shouldn't we investigate this? Could Jim Jordan be the reason? Shouldn't we shut the town down? Idiot. The runner-up, Jim Jordan South. His name is Ron DeSantis, the creature from the Wokey Finoki Swamp. This non-stop culture war has dropped him from the top of the list of GOP challengers to Trump to the point where in one poll this week he is tied for second with Vivek Gramaswamy. So naturally, DeSantis is not changing his spiel. He's just shouting it louder. His latest culture idea, his latest woke thing, he went on Fox last night and said the state of Florida is, quote, going to be launching an inquiry about Bud Light, and it could lead to a derivative lawsuit filed on behalf of the shareholders of the Florida Pension Fund because there's got to be penalties for when you put business aside to focus on your social agenda, unquote. Of course, DeSantis didn't seem to realize that in making that claim, he is admitting that the targeted criticism of Budweiser did damage Budweiser and thus did damage the Florida Pension Fund's investment in Budweiser, which is kind of a problem since he, DeSantis, was one of the leaders of the targeted criticism of Budweiser. So the Florida Pension Fund can now turn around and sue Ron DeSantis. Also, idiot. 
By the way, after that nonsense, Fox's Jesse Waters, who is the host now, eagerly asked DeSantis if he would also be suing Disney because Disney fired six of the seven dwarves. Apparently this hurt Jesse deeply. Honestly, I do not know if my hatred of Waters' predecessor, Tucker Carlson, and his predecessor, Bill O'Reilly, can be measured in anything, you know, smaller than light years. But the two of them were not idiots. This kid, Waters, looks like he's having some mental processing problems because he just ate 5,000 pounds of sugar in one hour. But the winner, well, it's Tucker Carlson. Remember him? Remember the whole Tucker Carlson, January 6th, Kevin McCarthy scam, the 10,000 hours of unseen video that would expose the real culprits and exonerate people like the QAnon shaman? Well, it didn't show anything. And now it officially has not exonerated the QAnon shaman. Jacob Chansley, who has already been released from prison, asked the judge who supervised his guilty plea to throw out his conviction because of the video didn't exactly work out like that. Lambert, the judge, wrote this yesterday, quote, not only was the broadcast replete with misstatements and misrepresentations regarding the events of January 6, 2021, too numerous to count, but the host explicitly questioned the integrity of this court, not to mention the legitimacy of the entire U.S. criminal justice system, with inflammatory characterizations of cherry-picked videos stripped of their proper context. In so doing, the judge wrote, he called on his followers to reject the evidence of their eyes and ears, language resembling the destructive, misguided rhetoric that fueled the events of January 6th in the first place, unquote. Not only did the new video add nothing, wrote Judge Lambert, but only 10 seconds of it was actually new. It was actually stuff Chansley did not have in his possession before the sentencing, and that 10 seconds had no exculpatory value. And then there's this. The judge said that if, before sentencing, Chansley's attitude towards his own guilt and his own responsibility had been what it is now after the Tucker Carlson video debacle, Chansley would have earned, Chansley would have earned a longer sentence. Tucker Carlson, who almost managed to get a guy who has already served his prison time, more prison time. Today's worst person in the world. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, Doug Gottlieb here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making the now perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines the raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. With the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma. Delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style, the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. With new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. 
When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota Dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. To the number one story on the countdown, and it's Fridays with Thurber, and a lot of his work details the fundamental clash between people, husband and wife, he and various relatives, a guy in a bed and a seal, two animals representing any two humans in conflict. But some of the most magical writing is the stuff that is just about one person alone against life. One of his stories ends with a great-grandmother struggling with a butter churn and screaming into the void, Why doesn't somebody take this goddamn thing away from me? A line which I think could be the start of a national anthem somewhere. Such a story is Nine Needles, this week's selection. As you will see, it is a little short for our usual time frames here, so I'll give you a bonus, another man-versus-life story afterwards in the form of one of Thurber's fables for our time, The Mouse Who Went to the Country. But first, it's unlikely this event has ever happened to you, but the anxiety, that should be immediately familiar. Nine Needles by James Thurber. One of the more spectacular minor happenings of the past few years, which I am sorry that I missed, took place in the Columbus, Ohio home of some friends of a friend of mine. It seems that a Mr. Albatross, while looking for something in his medicine cabinet one morning, discovered a bottle of a kind of patent medicine, which his wife had been taking for a stomach ailment. Now, Mr. Albatross is one of those apprehensive men who are afraid of patent medicines and of almost everything else. Some weeks before, he had encountered a paragraph in a consumer's research bulletin which announced that this particular medicine was bad for you. He had thereupon ordered his wife to throw out what was left of her supply of the stuff and never buy any more. She had promised, and here now was another bottle of the perilous liquid. Mr. Albatross, a man given to quick rages, shouted the conclusion of the story at my friend. I threw the bottle out the bathroom window and the medicine chest after it. It seems to me that must have been a spectacle worth going a long way to see. I am sure that many a husband has wanted to wrench the family medicine cabinet off the wall and throw it out the window, if only because the average medicine cabinet is so filled with mysterious bottles and unidentifiable objects of all kinds 
that it is a source of constant bewilderment and exasperation to the American male. Surely the British medicine cabinet and the French medicine cabinet and all the other medicine cabinets must be simpler and better ordered than ours. It may be that the American habit of saving everything and never throwing anything away, even empty bottles, causes the domestic medicine cabinet to become as cluttered in its small way as the American attic becomes cluttered in its major way. I have encountered few medicine cabinets in this country which were not packed jammed with something between 150 and 200 different items, from dental floss to boracic acid, from razor blades to sodium perborate, from adhesive tape to coconut oil. Even the neatest wife will put off clearing out the medicine cabinet on the ground that she has something else to do that is more important at that moment, or more diverting. It was in the apartment of such a wife and her husband that I became enormously involved with a medicine cabinet one morning not long ago. I had spent the weekend with this couple. They live on East 10th Street near 5th Avenue. Such a weekend as left me reluctant to rise up on Monday morning with bright and shining face and go to work. They got up and went to work, but I didn't. I didn't get up until about uh, 2.30 in the afternoon. I had my face all lathered for shaving and the washbowl was full of hot water when suddenly I cut myself with the razor. I cut my ear. Very few men cut their ears with razors, but I do possibly because I was taught the old Spencerian free wrist movements by my writing teacher in the grammar grades. The ear bleeds rather profusely when cut with a razor and is difficult to get at. More angry than hurt, I jerked open the door of the medicine cabinet to see if I could find a styptic pencil and out fell from the top shelf a little black paper packet containing nine needles. It seems that his wife kept a little paper packet containing nine needles on the top shelf of the medicine cabinet. The packet fell into the soapy water of the wash bowl where the paper rapidly disintegrated, leaving nine needles at large in the bowl. I was, naturally enough, not in the best condition, either physical or mental, to recover nine needles from a wash bowl. No gentleman who has lather on his face and whose ear is bleeding is in the best condition for anything, even something involving the handling of nine large blunt objects. It did not seem wise to me to pull the plug out of the washbowl and let the needles go down the drain. I had visions of clogging up the plumbing system of the house and also a vague fear of causing short circuits somehow or other. I know very little about electricity, and I don't want to have it explained to me. Finally, I groped very gently around the bowl and eventually had four of the needles in the palm of one hand and three in the palm of the other. Two, I couldn't find. If I had thought quickly and clearly, I wouldn't have done that. A lathered man whose ear is bleeding and who has four wet needles in one hand and three in the other may be said to have reached the lowest known point of human efficiency. There is nothing he can do but stand there. I tried transferring the needles in my left hand to the palm of my right hand, but I couldn't get them off my left hand. Wet needles cling to you. In the end, I wiped the needles off onto a bath towel which was hanging on a rod above the bathtub. It was the only towel that I could find. 
I had to dry my hands afterward on the bath mat. Then I tried to find the needles in the towel. Hunting for seven needles in a bath towel is the most tedious occupation I have ever engaged in. I could find only five of them. With the two that had been left in the bowl, that meant there were four needles in all missing. Two in the wash bowl and two others lurking in the towel or lying in the bathtub under the towel. Frightful thoughts came to me of what might happen to anyone who used that towel or washed his face in the bowl or got into the tub if I didn't find the missing needles. Well, I didn't find them. I sat down on the edge of the tub to think, and I decided finally that the only thing to do was to wrap up the towel in a newspaper and take it away with me. I also decided to leave a note for my friends explaining as clearly as I could that I was afraid there were two needles in the bathtub and two needles in the washbowl and that they better be careful. I looked everywhere in the apartment, but I could not find a pencil or a pen or a typewriter. I could find pieces of paper, but nothing with which to write on them. I don't know what gave me the idea a movie I had seen, perhaps, or a story I had read, but I suddenly thought of writing a message with lipstick. The wife might have an extra lipstick lying around, and if so, I concluded it would be in the medicine cabinet. I went back to the medicine cabinet and began poking around in it for a lipstick. I saw what I thought looked like the metal tip of one, and I got two fingers around it, began to pull gently. It was under a lot of things. Every object in the medicine cabinet began to slide. Bottles broke in the wash bowl and on the floor. Red, brown, and white liquids spurted. Nail files, scissors, razor blades, and miscellaneous objects sang and clattered and tinkled. I was covered with perfume, peroxide, and cold cream. It took me half an hour to get all the debris all together in the middle of the bathroom floor. I made no attempt to put anything back in the medicine cabinet. I knew it would take a steadier hand than mine and a less shattered spirit. Before I went away, only partly shaved and abandoned the shambles, I left a note saying that I was afraid there were needles in the bathtub and the wash bowl, and that I had taken their towel, and that I would call up and tell them everything. I wrote it in iodine with the end of a toothbrush. I have not yet called up, I am sorry to say. I have neither found the courage, nor thought up the words to explain what happened. I suppose my friends believe that I deliberately smashed up their bathroom and stole their towel, I don't know for sure, because they have not yet called me up either. Nine Needles by James Thurber. And as I suggested, in a broad sense, on the same subject, from his Fables for Our Time and famous poems illustrated, The Mouse Who Went to the Country by James Thurber. Once upon a Sunday, there was a city mouse who went to visit a country mouse. He hid away on a train the country mouse had told him to take, only to find that on Sundays it did not stop at Beddington. Hence, the city mouse could not get off at Beddington and catch a bus for Seibert's Junction, where he was to be met by the country mouse. The city mouse, in fact, was carried on to Middleburg, where he waited three hours for a train to take him back. When he got back to Beddington, he found out that the last bus for Siebert's Junction 
had just left. So he ran and he ran and he ran, and he finally caught the bus and crept aboard only to find that it was not the bus for Seabridge Junction at all, but was going in the opposite direction, through Pell's Hollow and Grum to a place called Wimberby. When the bus finally stopped, the city mouse got out into a heavy rain and found that there were no more buses that night going anywhere. To the hell with it, said the city mouse, and he walked back to the city. Moral? Stay where you are. You're sitting pretty. The Mouse Who Went to the Country by James Thurber. I've done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. Here are the credits. Most of the music arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel, who are the Countdown Musical Directors. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel. Produced by TKO Brothers. Other Beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. The sports music, which I swear we will run again someday, is the Olderman theme from ESPN2. It was written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc. Musical comments by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was my friend Tony Kornheiser, and everything else is pretty much my fault. Remember, Countdown is now also available on YouTube. That is Countdown for this, the 927th day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Arrest him again, while we still can. Uh, would, would, would today be convenient for anybody? The next scheduled countdown is, I don't know. Every time I say I'm going to try to take a three-day weekend, stuff immediately happens. But if there's nothing cooking on Jack Smith 2 Electric Boogaloo, don't be surprised if there's nothing Monday. I need a nap. We'll see. Bulletins is the news warrants. Till then, I'm Keith Olderman. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olderman is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health, but by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. 
I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.